What the F is wrong with me? Reading her post, typed in all capital letters, I could tell Alicia wasn't having the best weekend. She continued to tell our Facebook group that she had improved in so many ways since joining the Breaking Up with Binge Eating coaching program, but she still engaged in what she called BS eating. I have these regular healthy meals, she said, and I don't binge at all anymore, but there's still this BS eating that I just haven't let go of. The BS eating is when I know I'm not hungry, or I know I've had enough, and I just eat more anyway. Why do I keep doing it? Alicia and I hopped on the phone the following day to figure out what was behind her so-called BS eating. In other words, why wasn't she saying no when she knew that saying no would move her closer to her goals? This is the Breaking Up with Binge Eating podcast, where every listen moves you one step closer to complete food freedom. Hosted by me, Georgie Fear, and my co-coach, Mary Claire Brescia. In the last episode, I shared some specific things that can get in the way of acting on our knowledge. Things like a fixed mindset, sabotaging thoughts, or the convenience of letting ourselves forget over and over. Today, I'm going to cover even more factors that can cause our actions to be misaligned with our wisdom. The last episode had seven solutions, so I'll pick right up here with number eight. Number eight, don't run from your fears. Sit down and try and have a conversation with them. Doing something new naturally brings up some degree of fear about the outcome. And I'm deliberately not saying you should override your fears or you should always do the things you're scared of because, well, sometimes your fear is warranted and it's protecting you from making a grave error. But running from our fears does little to help us decide. As long as we're running, we just stay terrified. And that means we default to always saying no to change just because we want to avoid it. But if we pause and we actually think, what are we afraid of? And why are we afraid of it? We can make a better decision about a potential change. We still might decide that we don't want to do anything differently, but it will be an informed decision instead of one made blindly. Oftentimes, people don't really realize that it's fear holding them back. You may have to do some self-exploration to notice if fear is playing a role in your stuckness. Here are some things to ask yourself. Is there something about making this change that might be bad, such as unwelcome attention or changes to my personal relationships? Am I afraid of losing out on something if I change? Does it just seem like it would be too weird and foreign to actually succeed? It can be incredibly helpful to work with a professional counselor or coach to bring to light what fears might be holding you back. And I also find it helpful to remind myself when I feel afraid of change, hey Georgie, you can always go back to the old way. Fear of the future is not the only emotional obstacle you may face. Emotions you have about your past can also keep you from moving forward. That brings me to number nine. To go from knowing to doing, it helps to acknowledge your emotions about the past and work through them. Like many people, you may be justifiably angry at the diet industry. It may have sucked away decades of your life and created food obsession, binge eating, or disordered eating that you're still suffering from today. 
the diet industry may have gotten your hopes up over and over and left you disappointed every time. It's understandable to be angry when we're deceived and hurt with no apology. You may also feel anger, sadness, or both if the environment you were raised in led to a hyper-focus on your appearance or shape or contributed in other ways to your troubled relationship with food. Lastly, you may be carrying regret or embarrassment over choices you made in the past. I'll be honest, when I think about my past, some of the painful memories and bad choices I made, they glow like neon signs in the dark. It's normal to have all these emotions, though. So having anger or feeling regret itself is not a problem. But these emotions can keep us from making positive changes. For example, if you're still acting out your anger at the diet industry by overeating or refusing to pay attention to your portions, that's only harming you. If you're angry at your family for pushing you into Weight Watchers meetings as a 13-year-old or encouraging you, why don't you order the salad, honey? It might be leading you to order burritos of rebellion as an adult. And again, it's only hurting you. I can't say this enough. You are entitled to your feelings, and they are not wrong. But what you do with them can either help you or hold you back. Number 10. Do a small piece. Thinking in black and white terms, also known as dichotomous thinking, can lead us to see only two choices when we're presented with a decision. Dichotomy comes from a Greek word meaning dividing in two. When we're considering a potential behavior change, dichotomous thinking could make us conclude, will I do it or I don't do it? I take the walk or I don't. But this view has limitations, namely that it's often more manageable to execute just a piece of the larger whole rather than do nothing at all. As an example, let's say you're struggling to get yourself to exercise at the gym before work. You keep trying to force it, but day after day, you just don't feel like it or it seems like too much trouble. This is a perfect place to do a small piece of the habit you eventually want to form. You may be envisioning yourself training hard for an hour, but a small piece of that might be going inside, walking for five or ten minutes on the treadmill, and then getting changed and going to the office. Or you could even just practice driving to the gym on your way to work, cruise through the parking lot, and then continue your commute. You did a small piece, and if you do small pieces for several days, you're likely to feel like you can do more soon. It's a legitimate way to get started. If you want to build a habit of eating more home-cooked meals instead of takeout, you could start by just adding a bagged salad to the food that you get for takeout. You don't have to jump into gourmet dinners every single night. Maybe you just home-cook a little piece of the meal, or make a sandwich. Then you can build on that. Point number 11. Try mixing the old behavior and the new behavior. When my clients are learning to regulate their feelings without food, we often come up with a plan that includes things like going outside, journaling, reading, or doing some other activity instead of eating. I'm no fool. I know it's really tough to choose the other activity in the moment when your brain is saying, oh, here's where we go to the kitchen. So if the old behavior just keeps winning out, I'll typically propose that we mix the two. So instead of hitting the chips or writing in your journal, 
you can say, well, I'll journal for five minutes and then eat some chips. Or maybe you call a friend or ask your spouse for a hug before going to the chips. Heck, with these two things, you can even eat chips while you journal. Introducing some of the new pattern you want to cement is a step forward, even if you haven't completely parted with the old habit yet. Number 12. Which way to the bunny slope? Almost all behaviors are easier to execute in certain contexts and tougher in other contexts. Think about what would be the easiest time and the easiest state of mind to practice your new behavior. Many people find that they have an easier time making healthy, goal-oriented decisions in the morning compared to evening when they've accumulated some fatigue. So if you want to practice eating mindfully, for example, and it feels like evenings will be the hardest, don't start there. Start at breakfast, and after you've practiced that a few times, try eating lunch mindfully. After that practice, you might be able to do it in the evenings too. Start where it's easiest to make the change. Overcoming emotional eating or compulsive eating is inherently tricky because it means changing our decision-making in the situations when we're emotional, upset, and not our most rational selves. FYI, it's completely normal to have a tougher time making good decisions when you're upset. But distress comes in a wide range of intensities, and that's where we can ensure our success. For example, I was recently talking with a client about speaking kindly to herself, saying things like, it's okay, everyone makes mistakes, and I'm a work in progress. We want this new behavior to replace the old habit of saying not-so-nice things like, I ruined everything, I'm such an idiot. My client pointed out, hey, this is a good idea and I want to do it, but when I'm really upset, it's going to be very hard. And that makes sense to me. It will be hard to pull out this new language because kindness to herself is basically a foreign language. So I suggested that her bunny slope for the kind self-talk is doing it at first when she feels good. Then, so that she can do it when she is distressed, gradually start trying it when she's slightly bothered, but not highly upset. If you think about how you want to respond when you're feeling utterly terrible, practice it before you feel utterly terrible. Practice it on days which are just a little rough. Those are your bunny slope situations where the challenge is small and very doable. You can always escalate and move up to the harder slopes. And now, number 13, my last tip for I know what to do, but I just don't do it, is give yourself credit. If you don't celebrate your wins, they simply don't stick. Positive reinforcement is essential for building on the small wins. With it, our motivation grows as we tackle greater and greater challenges. But without positive reinforcement, our motivation declines with increasing challenges, and we don't get very far. So if you waited five minutes before using food to cope, call it a win. Give yourself credit for those five minutes. If you eat half a box of crackers and then realize you're heading for a binge and throw away the remainder, give yourself credit for stepping in and intervening on your own behalf. That's a huge win. Don't focus on the crackers you ate. Focus on the bravery you showed. And if you recognize the opportunity to talk to yourself kindly, and you try to talk to yourself kindly, even if it feels awkward and stilted, 
Give yourself credit because you chose to try something different. Between the last episode and this episode, you've got 13 tactics to try helping you budge out of that space where you know what to do and you're not doing it. And I'd love to hear what happens when you give them a try. Did they work? Did they bomb? Let me know. My email address is georgiefear at gmail.com. And remember, I do this because I love to help people. So don't be afraid to reach out. Thanks for listening. I'll see you in the next episode. Thank you.